open your Bibles tonight. We're going to the book of Ephesians. I'll give you a couple passages. In fact, our first passage, you want to find Ephesians 6, but we're going to be going a couple places before that. Romans and Corinthians before that. Glad you're here tonight. Good to see you all. I'll speak to you this evening on the subject of the whole armor of God. I've heard sermons about this since I was a kid. Well, maybe you have. That's a good thing. I'm certainly not looking to find something new or try to get some new twist on it. I've known people who said they were always trying to get a different angle on things and they ended up in a bad shape. We just need the Word of God. Um, on the whole armor of God, I want you to think, as I say that to you, you're going to hear that title a few times. I want you to think of that word whole as in complete. Every part of it. That's the emphasis of what we're dealing with tonight. And uh, there's a couple of times in this message I'm going to read to you just a little bit of something I've written because I want to give it to you exactly. So I hope you'll stay with me during that time. But uh, the whole armor of God, and we're going to, where we will end up being is in Ephesians chapter 6 before it's over here. But before we do that, uh, we're going to look at two passages, two verses that are not as well known. Ephesians 6 is the passage that's extremely well known for the whole armor of God. Two other passages, not as well known, but equally powerful. I want you to see those because it will lead into it. Romans chapter 13. If you look there, don't lose your place over there in, in uh, Ephesians. Romans chapter 13. And there's one verse in this chapter. Look please, if you will, at verse 12. It says, The night is far spent... The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of what? The armor of light. That's one aspect of what the armor of God is. I uh, preached a message some years ago. I don't expect you to remember, but I preached on composite armor. In one place it talks about the armor of righteousness. In another place it talks about the armor of light. Those two things are what's the composite of, of God's armor. And uh, the armor of light. You say, what's that talking about? Well, that means the best defense and what equips us best to be on the offense for the Lord is those things which are light. You say, what are things that are light, preacher? Things that are not hidden. Okay, one of the earliest, deadliest things that came from the uh, uh, social medias from the tech stuff that came in, one of the earliest, deadliest things that ever came was people being able to run separate hidden lives yeah. that were not out in the open. That's right. This very week, I dealt with a heartbroken man. He's never been to this church for a service, but he's a brother in Christ. I had a chance to pray with him and a chance to talk to him. And he said uh, his wife went to... Uh, was going to her sister's for a birthday party. And didn't come home, didn't come home. And he called the sister and said no. So the man came clear from Montana. Picked her up and they're gone together. They'd met on the internet, had this thing going behind the scenes. Children. Especially the foolishness of putting kids into situations where you have role-playing. Some of you adults with role-playing stuff. Not only does it come from... A, a place of background of witchcraft and such, but it is. But what happens is they they take on a completely different identity. 
What's the armor of light? It's not, no hidden things. Get rid of the hidden things of darkness. You know, part of the reason why you're weighed down about some things right now is because you've got a hidden thing going on. And it's not hidden. <laughs> Don't you think God knows it's there? Lighting the darkness is the same to Him. And uh, so, yeah, anyway, the armor of light. That's one of them. Then look at the next one, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I really asked the Lord, I said, just kind of nudge me if I start going down a trail where I'm not going to go down the main line you want. And I think He nudged, poked Him, and twisted me on that one just a little. He's like, son, here. Here. <laughs> You're picking up steam. Get back on course. 2 Corinthians 6. Look in verse 7. It says, By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness. Then look at this. That's why I wanted to show you with this one. On what hand? The right hand and on what? On the left. And uh, here's what I, I put down with that. We are at times going to be assaulted on both sides if we stay on the straight and narrow path of God's revealed Word. So we need this armor of righteousness, this composite armor of armor of light and armor of righteousness. We need this whole armor of God if, because we're going to get hit from both sides. May I remind you of the ministry of Jesus Christ. He was assailed by the Sadducees, the liberals of His day, and He was assailed by the Pharisees the conservatives of his day. Every now and then while I'm preaching, I say, right now I'm going to teach you a Bible truth. And some of you, I love you dearly and probably have more of a leaning towards you. You're my ultra right-wing folks and I have, that's my, my inherent fiber. I said, you're not going to be happy with me when I get done with this. And I say, some of you who come in and you love preacher, but he's just a little, he's a little, you know, he's a little intense. Uh, I'm going to bother you too. And the issue is not Either group, the issue is, is the Lord pleased with it? If we stay with His Word, the Lord will be pleased with it. You say, preacher, I think you missed His Word. Well, then my master will take care of me on that. That's the way that works. I answered to my boss on that one. And uh, so that, that's pretty good, you know. I, I remember telling, telling a, a roofing uh, customer I had, I had roofing accounts and when I worked in a roofing company, and he was getting upset with me about something, wanting me to violate a procedure that the owner, G.W. Murphy, the owner of our company, had set down for allowing someone to have credit. And he goes, uh, he goes well, I, you, you're not making me happy. And I said, I didn't know the owner was behind me when I said it. I said, my job, I said, I want to take care of you as best I can as a customer. My job is not to make you happy. My job is to make the owner of this company happy. I didn't know he's behind me. He patted me on the back. He said, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I know he's back. I wasn't schmoozing. I know he was there, you know, with that. Uh, my job is to make the Lord happy. By the way, that's your job, too. That's our job. We get to do that. That's an awesome job. And uh, we get to serve the Lord. And so, what is it? On the right hand, on the left. On the right hand, on the left. You're always going to have pressures hitting you both ways. You have to have the armor of God to deal with both things. Now, let's look at the scripture that's most familiar. Go to, uh, uh, over to Ephesians chapter 6. And just looking at a few verses here, starting in verse 10. And I want to I show you what it says here. Uh, look in verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on how much of the armor of God? The whole armor of God. Do you know how much, Hudson? Do you know? The whole armor. Can you say it with me? The 
whole armor. There you go. All right, there you go. I can't even wait for three more minutes. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I like old Hudson. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because this is where our combat is, take unto you the what armor again, church? Whole armor. God seems to emphasize it, doesn't He? Take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. Not with that whole armor of God. Not just saying I'll take this piece today and I'll take that piece tomorrow. The whole armor. Every day. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. There's your strength area. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, controlling the, and, and, and taking care of the vital organs. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There's so you can march and stay at it and stay in, in the walk and in the fight. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation. I love this. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here's what I put down with this helmet of salvation. Careful, lady. Somebody's sneaking up on you. Um, here's how you take that helmet of salvation. That has to do with your thinking, your mind. You ready for this? This is a freebie. You need to think of what salvation costs. So how do I put on the helmet of salvation? Well, first you know you're saved. But if you want to be thinking about it, you got to think about what salvation costs. As Christian people, we need to have time we meditate on what the Lord's done. And think about that. I take time to think about my, what my wife does for me. I really do. I, uh, uh, she does a lot, a lot for me. Makes me look better in public when she's near me, that's for sure. Uh, but she does a lot of things. I, w I want my heart to love my wife. If it was your wife, you'd love her. I don't want people who have wives that love I have a lovable wife, but I'm, I'm a contrary old thing. i, I got to think about this. And so I think about it. Think about what salvation cost. My Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou art mine. Why? For Thee all the follies of sin I resign. Why is it? Because what He did for me. You think about it. How about this? Think about what salvation does. Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I've been born again. He said, why don't you just haul off and sing? Because I like you people. So I'll just kind of talk through them, all right? But think about what it does. I'm saved. I'm saved. This, this whole world isn't my final place. Then think of what salvation brings. All the different things that accompany salvation. Then think of what responsibilities accompany salvation. I'm a debtor to get the gospel to other people. That's, take on that whole armor of God with it. And uh, we need to do that. It, it's absolutely amazing what happens. But the message tonight is how much of the armor of God? Talk to me. Remember, you pass the test, you go home. You don't pass the test, we stay. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was, that was vigorous. All right. <laughs> take the whole armor. You ready for this? Putting on the whole armor invo involves choice and it involves action. It involves choice. You choose. You make a decision. Okay, here's how I'm going to live. Here's what I'm going to do. 
a breastplate of righteousness. I know we have the we have the imputed righteousness of Christ, but it's also talking about righteous living. Loins go about with truth. We decide uh, to to not uh, not to lie to one to another, but to speak the truth. Well, we do. We get ourselves ready. We we we're we're ready to go to action. We make a choice. We make a decision. And then what do we do with that thing? When we make that choice, then we put it into action. Here's how I live it. Um, without all the pieces, we are ill-prepared for battle. Very ill-prepared for battle. And with that, any piece missing, we're certain to be wounded. Let me give you a quick little story, a little humorous. And I'll be very, very fast with this. When I worked at a place called Roofing, uh, Raised Roofing Wholesale, in my last years of college, and uh, I managed the second shift, was, as you might guess by the name, it was a roofing wholesale company. We sold shingles and rubber ice roofing and different things like that. We had some fun at the end of my shift. We had second shift, so we were the last ones there. And many times, when we should have been home trying to get some rest, I was working 56 hours a week, at 19 hours of classwork, and was preaching at least three times a week, so I just had sense enough to get some rest. But who in college has any sense? <laughs> we engaged in something that was not destructive to anything at the company because we absolutely did not use any materials that could have been sold. But it was a little destructive to us workers. And we had battles using shingles. And we would take three tap shingles and break them to about that big and throw them at each other. <laughs> Chris Kennedy was there, man-child workforce. That's what we called him at the time. He was a, he was a big target. Um, <clears throat> and I got real good because those things hooked, and I knew where I could hit somebody with it. You say, wasn't that dangerous? Ridiculously. And you didn't have to wonder if you hit somebody because they'd scream, and sometimes they'd take a chunk out of them. Say, we finally quit doing it. We quit doing it because I had one of my employees, John Kerr, I don't think it's face off. It hit him right here. He screamed. And we found him. Blood was coming out. I thought I'd done taking off his eye and everything else. But I didn't. It just took off part of his eyebrow and part of his nose. He was good. But, so I called a halt to that. And then we found these little metal washers that were getting thrown away. We were using those. Same guy. Threw one at him like, ting. You know, he snuck up on me. I did the whole throwing start. Split his right here where he parted his hair. Anyway, I don't know. That guy should have stayed out of the warfare. But we'd have these battles. You look horrified back here. You're just having fun. Good job, guys. Clergy out there doing this. And so we would do this after we were done, after everything was done. We should have been going home by that time. Then we'd clean up our mess. Fine. Except for John's face. Um, notice we did quit doing that. That horrified me. I thought I killed him. Yeah. Um, but we had this fella. His name was Steve, but he went by Cletus. That's what he called himself. He said, why would, why would he have called himself Cletus? If you met him, you wouldn't ask him. On the second floor of this warehouse, there were all kinds of things for sale. All kinds of, not, uh, they weren't for sale, but they were there, and they went to another subdivision of our company called Transport Sales. And that, that, uh, that uh, company was built because trucks would break down coming through Chicago and stuff. They'd get a call, and they'd go out there and buy the whole truckload of stuff. But because it, they, a lot of times people would rather do that because they're waiting to get tow truck and all that, and then they would sell it. So you get who knows what, you know. Well, during one of the battles, Cletus being a Cletus, 
he was not overly nimble. He was a good-sized target, and he got to throw real straight. So he, he, he had a lot of welts. And we got into battle. We had a couple of different, uh, couple of different teams, as it were. Brother Darren always made sure he was on my team. Brother Darren was pretty good at it, and he was so thin, it's hard to hit him. But Cletus had disappeared. And we thought, where'd he go? Well, up on the second level, you have this big yard with all the shingles and stuff in it. And then up on the second level, you had this overhang you could walk out onto. All of a sudden, the steel door kicks open. Boom! We're down there fighting, you know, jumping up behind shingle stacks, all this stuff. And out comes Cletus. And he had found an entire catcher's outfit up there. He's got all the protective gear. I can still see him, Brother Robin. He strides to the side of the thing where he, he can look down at all of us and he raises the shingle and he says, Robo Cletus. And he starts firing down on us. You can't get away from him. And I hand motion one of my guys and he went this way and I went this way. Do you know anything about a catcher's outfit? There are certain parts of your body it's not built to protect. And certain parts of Cletus were inviting targets. And so my man, I sit around to flank him, or the fun, on the one side, got his attention, and Robo turned towards him, right? And at that point in time, it was boom. And I still remember him going, ah, he jumped, and he turned back towards me, my guy on the other side hit him, and he turned around. He was so chewed up by the time he got back to that door. Why? Because old Robocletus, he had very incomplete armor. Everything was exposed that was most inviting for us to throw at. Say, <laughs> so why do you tell that silly story? Because you now look about 40% more awake than you did a moment ago, and I'm getting into the meat of the message, all right? But what happened was incomplete armor. Old Cletus, if he found a suit of armor, he might have done all right. But what happened was, he stepped out into battle, or mock battle as it were, without being all the way covered as he needed to be. Let me tell you, one big reason why there are a lot of casualties among Christian people, it's because they don't read or don't comprehend or whatever. I don't know, I can't assign the motive. But somehow it's missed that every passage here dealing with this talks about the whole armor of God. Nowhere in the Bible does it say take on part of the armor of God. It doesn't say once your uh, loins are girt with truth, you're ready to go. Somebody says, well, I know a lot of Bible. I know a lot of verses. I'm ready to go. And, and they're living like the devil. They don't have the thing of righteousness. They don't know what they're doing. They're not getting out with the gospel. They can tell you the gospel because they can explain to you why salvation is by grace. But they're not telling anybody. And they're going out to battle with part of the armor on. And they're getting taken out of action. Yep. Yep. The whole armor of God. And you know, God took the time to put in His book every aspect of it that we need, thus indicating that we should pay attention to what the parts are with it. Now, tonight's message is about having the whole armor. It's not about breaking down each part of it. Girls, let's look up this way. Being wounded is a very dangerous thing. Without the complete set that God has, we are ill-prepared for battle. 
We're not, we're not set properly for it. And with peace is missing, listen to me, I'm talking about your living. I'm talking about what's going to happen to you. With peace is missing, you will be wounded. It's that simple. As Christians, we realize that our wounds come from armor failure. Not that the armor itself fails. It's good armor. The armor failure is we don't take it on. We, we, we don't put it on. We don't every day. We say, well, I came to church and I learned something on Sunday. No, no, no. You need armor on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday, every day. The devil never says, oh, they put their armor on and I'm going to go sit all my weapons down over there. No, he's just watching. Just watching, waiting. Waiting, waiting for something. Looking for that opportunity. You know, it's been amazing in... Since snipers became a thing in battle and, and, and a, uh, sometimes a decisive in the smaller battles, a decisive element in battles, and by the way, the first real implementation of them was civil war. Um, since that has happened, many, 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 a soldier has lost their life because they, they for a moment, forgot there was somebody over there. And all that sniper is doing, one key aspect of a good sniper is extreme patience. And they'll just watch that area, watch that area. And somebody in an hour, nothing's happened. Two hours, they've not heard a shot. Three hours, nothing's happened. And it's very easy and very human to forget just a moment. <laughs> and the only one who hears the shot are the... Are the uh, uh, other soldiers because the one who took the bullet doesn't hear the shot to kill. Right. Our adversary just watches. Oh, it's Thursday morning. What? What? Yeah. Huh. Shield of faith. I declare. They left that. Here's the dart. How about a foot wound? So you don't walk right. Sobering, isn't it? Here's some thoughts on this thing of being wounded. Being wounded is very dangerous for us and for others. Let me give you some biblical things from this. Being wounded, listen fellas to this well. I think most of you would know from teachings here or your own studies, when the Bible talks about a strange woman, it's not talking about, you know, that sister's a little weird over there. It's, it's, it's talking a strange woman. It's talking about a morally loose and an evil woman. Okay? Being wounded, I'm talking about what happens when you don't have on the full armor, makes a man more vulnerable to the strange woman. He becomes very vulnerable to her because he's been wounded. Don't lose your place there in Ephesians, but look back in Proverbs chapter 7. Now, I'm going to help you tonight from the Word of God. You've got to want it. My job is to pray, prepare, and come ready. And uh, you pray, prepare, and come ready. And you'll get the most out of church that you can. It's never supposed to take the place of your own walk with God, but you'll get everything you should get at the house of God when you come ready. And isn't that neat? You don't have to know a lot of Bible. You don't have to be old in the Lord. You can get what God has for you tonight. Proverbs chapter 7. I'm talking again, not finding it. There we go. Proverbs 7. 
I said to you that being wounded makes a man more vulnerable to the strange woman. Proverbs chapter 7. By the way, you ladies ought to start taking it up to pray for the men in your life. I mean, you girls in here, I'll pray for your daddies. I'll pray for a spouse. How about a brother, uncle? Pray for him. Would to God we'd learn to pray for one another. We need to, don't we? I find that convicting as I preach it. I do. I often find myself so weak in prayer. So much depends on it. We need to follow the Lord. Proverbs chapter 7. Look what it says here, and I just want to show you the one verse with it. You can mark that chapter and read it later. It goes into detail. Look in uh, uh, verse 26, talking about this strange woman. It's the destruction of some men. It says, For she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. It's interesting, the two vulnerabilities mentioned there. One is wounded, which is what we're dealing with tonight. Why? Because all of a sudden someone's paying attention. All of a sudden someone's showing some care. And that wounded person goes towards that. So what about the strong man walking in his own strength? Yeah. Pride. That's why it's dangerous there also. Being wounded makes a man more vulnerable to the strange woman. Let me say something to you that, that hopefully will make you think here. This is one reason many pastors fall. Pastoring opens one up to frequent and sometimes grievous wounds. A pastor is called to represent the one who was wounded for our transgressions. And no pastor can be scriptural in his love and care of his congregation unless he learns and, and suffers some of the wounds and pains that his master suffered. No man's sufficient for that. I ask you a question. I hope you take it to heart. Do you pray for your pastor? Do you pray for your pastor? You're not a criticizing church. It's not your spirit. And for this, I'm grateful. But it's a whole lot easier to find fault or flaw. I think maybe it done it this way. Maybe that. You could be right. Your thought about it might be a better way of doing it. But that's not the issue. You pray for I hope you do. I hope we pray for one another. And so what happens, a wounded spirit uh, can, can cause a man, it does cause a man to be more susceptible. Second of all, being, having a wounded spirit can damage us in a way we cannot bear. There's some things we just cannot bear. And uh, Proverbs chapter 18. Being wounded can damage us in a way we cannot bear. Proverbs 18, verse 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Then ask questions. But a wounded spirit who can bear? So my goodness, what's answer to this? The whole armor. The whole armor is the answer to it. God's given it to us. 
we need to take and put it into play. Have you put it into play today? Being taught this now and being made aware of it, maybe you not thought of it, maybe you didn't know about it, but are you going to take what you're learning tonight and put it into play? That's the question with it. Then being wounded makes us susceptible to spiritual gangrene. How many of you know what gangrene is? I mean, it's rotting. Basically, it isn't the same as necrosis, which is dying in the flesh, but it is the putrefying of a sore or a wound that becomes infected. The tissue starts dying. The tissue starts getting disease throughout it. And oftentimes, gangrene sets in. They probably have other terms for it too. That's general in term. A lot of times, it'll have to be amputated. So if you got it in your foot, you have to be amputated because it will just keep going through your body, become systemic, and kill you. Um, being wounded is very dangerous because it makes us susceptible to spiritual gangrene. Psalm 38 speaks about this. Look at this quickly. Give me a bit of a Bible study, but that's okay because it's Wednesday night Bible study. Psalm 38. See, spiritual gangrene, where'd you get that one? Is the word gangrene in the Bible? No, but it describes what it's like. Look in verse 1, Psalm 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Look at this, verse 5. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. One of the things a physician, a nurse, never wants to see is them re-wrapping a wound, moving dressing, and they smell it them from it. Am I correct on that, Ms. Teresa? She, long time being a nurse, and that she trained under Florence Nightingale, actually. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> she knew Florence Nightingale when she was just a chick, can it? But um, she, but if someone is, if you're unwrapping a wound, and it's not just the smell, you know, maybe you perspire, someone can't get 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 it out, but there's that smell. That's a very very bad sign. Why? Because there, there's infection going on there. There's some rotten going on. Look what it said. It said, my wounds stink because of my foolishness. Not putting on the whole armor of God gets you wounded. And that wound gets getting rubbed in with other filth and your foolishness adds to it. It gets putrefied. When I ran chainsaw into my leg and Amazing! They take bone out and down around the bone, blue chunks of meat out on the on the yard. I've told you before, you don't cut yourself with the chainsaw. You dig out a chunk of your flesh. Is what after that. And when I've done that, I managed to get an infection in there. And there were bubbles about the size of my thumb raised up on that bad boy. They were terrified it was going to become a bone infection. I was too. I didn't like that idea because that, that could leave. You know, they said you could lose your leg. On that, and I thought, well, that's not cool. So after that meeting, I went to I went to work, and uh, I was helping take care of a lady's place, and we were burning some things and such. And I was coming down the ladder. Okay, yeah, the, yeah I'm sure you'll concur. This is good medical advice that goes right now. I was coming down the ladder, and I slipped, and my shoes went down like two runs. 
right where all that was, all sorts of oozy things started happening. Pulled my pant leg up, looked at it, and said, that's too nasty to look at. Put my pant leg back down, kept working. I don't know why this worked this way, but before it was over, I was burning, working in the edge of fires and stuff. It ended up caked with ashes and everything else. That thing was, that thing was well in about four days. So anyway, you end up with something putrefying, I'll chuck you in a fire somewhere and you'll be okay, okay? <laughs> I don't suggest you follow my remedies for health, okay? It's just not, not good. I think the Lord just says, oh, I need him even though he acts like that. I'm going to do this. But you get wounded. It gets messy. Your spirit starts stinking. We like to call it attitude. All that is is your spirit showing you can have a good one. You have a sweet one through Jesus. Surly, nothing dry. How you today? You know where that's? You stink. You stink. There's pus coming at you. It's gross. I ran a drill down through this finger one time. I did. Didn't mean to. And kind of broke the bit off. I got it out. Been a couple of days. I put stuff on it, but I was busy. I'm keeping going. I was up here preaching, and I hit the pulpit, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I kept preaching, but I'm thinking, mm-hmm, that hurt. So I went out, and my fingers going, whoa, whoa, whoa. and I got out there in the hallway, got between people, and I looked down, and that dude swollen up like that, and I thought, whoa, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And I knew I'd run that drill bit in there, and I went like that, and push shot out onto the carpet. Look for <laughs> You get wounded because you don't have the whole armor. I'm having a little fun, literally, at my expense on these things. I, but I'm telling you that just as easily. You got lost your finger, never did know where that infection came from, did you? That was serious business for a long while. Swollen up on its hand and all that stuff is bad. They didn't know what was going to happen with that. Do you know, my brother got a splinter in him when he was young. And we were healthy, well cared for, good food and stuff coming up. But he got that in, and they got back then, they used to just call it blood poisoning. Red streaks running all over him. And up. Man, it just about killed him. A splinter. Why? Because it got the, got the bacteria or whatever right in there again. You get out there, I get out there without that armor on. We're going to get wounded. And you may come back from the first wound. You may survive the second wound. But we're standing every time you go through it, you have a chance of being taken completely out. And you're going to say, I don't know how it happened. Well, it must have happened because of this event. No, it happened, my friends, when we didn't put the armor on. Right. It was not unusual... It's not as extreme now with our military and such. It still happens. But it was not unusual up through the Civil War, up into World War II, for far more people to die of infection than from wounds of the battlefield. You say, well, didn't they get infection because of the wounds? Some of them did and some of them didn't. But the wound to take them out. Listen carefully, I'll tell you this. This is interesting. I read a book entitled Stalkers and Shooters. It's a book about snipers and such. I read it a few years ago. It reinforced what I've read about military doctrine in other places. I've read about it in other places. Here it is. Now catch this. Namely, and this, this was interesting because they were specifying, you know, the, the, the snipers and what they would do. Not just our military, but others. 
It said that namely, one of the things of military doctrine is wounding an enemy can be far more effective for your cause than killing him outright. One reason for that's obvious because when he goes down, others come out to help him. More targets. But that's not all. The reason why it's more effective is because the wounded soldier has to have a person or persons carry him off the field of conflict and still more to tend his wounds. And in fact, killing a soldier takes that particular soldier out and removes him as a threat, but wounding him takes him and others out of being an effective threat. In other words, they can't do what they're supposed to be doing as soldiers, which is coming at you, if four or five of them are tied up because their buddy's wounded. Many wounded soldiers of the Savior have wounded others around them. And many wounded soldiers of the Savior have diverted others from effectively engaging with the enemy. I have had this discussion with other pastors and we've not went into particular people. You know, that's not my conversation ever. But we have said, I wonder how far we could go. I wonder how much stronger our people could be if we did not occasionally as pastors have to step over here and teach and preach on something that is corrective, rebuking, fixing, if we could feed and lead and grow. And I understand it's all part of the picture. And I understand in my Christian life that I've needed the rebuke, that I've needed the correction, that I've needed the instruction. So I'm not setting myself in a different plane. I'm just telling you that when the enemy wounds somebody, that wounded person may take four or five people out of effective action for the Lord. I could give you lots of illustrations. Let me go on. Our enemy is a consummate tactician and fully realizes and utilizes these things. Then let me say this to you. It's interesting to study the development of armor. Realize the twofold purpose for which it's made. You start back on the early types of armor, which were basically layers of hardened leather most of the time. You come up through what they call chain mail. You go into different types of metals which were used, combinations of those things sometimes. And you come into modern era with ceramics and on some fighting vehicles, reactive armor. The, the main line Abrams battle tank was one of the first uh, first field vehicles that had reactive armor. It could, it could sense an incoming projectile and part of the panel would come off of the tank and engage it without before it hit the tank. It's called reactive armor. Yeah. Glad you don't wear that. You'd kill everybody around you. But there are basically two things that have guided all armor development down through the centuries. These are the two things that's been done. Number one, keeping the soldier alive and uninjured in the face of whatever weapons are being used. As the weapons got stronger, the armor had to be better. You had 
some of the lighter leather things and leather shields, they encountered the English longbow, which could send an arrow straight through it. So something else had to be done. And, and this would happen. So keeping the soldier alive and, and uninjured. Second thing is, and catch this now, this is the crux of it. We're talking about the whole armor of God. Keeping the soldier useful as a viable offensive force. We tend to think only of the armor as defensive, and that's not accurate. In fact, the armor's there so we can go into battle, not just so we can withstand attack. And with that, then the armor cannot weigh him down to where he can't fight. Great, I've got on a 65 pound armor suit. Clang, 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 clang. I'm hard to kill, but I also can't get to anybody. It doesn't work. We have a new tank, but it's so underpowered, it's no use on the, on the, on the battlefield because it can't, can't operate. And so armor has always been to protect the person wearing it from the attack and to allow them to be effective when they go in, into battle. Very important to understand. It's the same thing with the whole armor of God. God's designed it that way for us. The purpose of the armor is as much offensive, carrying the battle to the enemy as it is defensive, protecting ourselves against attacks from the enemy. And Christians huddle back and say, well, we're just going to pray the Lord protect us and you know the devil's so powerful and so much is going on and everything's so evil and our day's so dark, we'll just try to hold on like this. And God said, I didn't give you the whole armor just to go and get in some bunker. He said, I want you to get out there and engage the enemy. That's what we're supposed to be doing. He said, go. Get out there. Get at it. The need for offense and defense is found in the passage we read in Ephesians 6. Listen to this. The word stand, offense, and the word withstand, defense, are used four times in three verses. Stand. Having nothing. Stand. Withstand. Stand. Withstand. Stand. Withstand. How? Context where that shows up that many times is taking on the whole armor of God. It allows me to do both. The word against is used five times just in verses 11 and 12. Against. Against. I'll tell you why some people have no victory in their Christian life. They're not against anything. I'll tell you why some people, some preachers have lost to do heaven off the ministry. They're not against anything. Brother Randy Faust just had surgery. Brother Randy's been up here at our conference a couple, three times. Comes around here some. Went into surgery yesterday. He's got a unit in his back that sends false signals into his spine to block pain. He has a rapidly degenerating spine in that. And the, the battery has to be replaced every five years. They have to come and put a new battery in. And that's how they come. But one of the leads have come off and he had surgery. And uh, I talked to him today. I said, well, Randy, how are you doing our surgery? He said, surgery went well. He said, they've placed the lead in another place right there. We've got to see how it's going to work. He said, I feel better already. So we're talking like that. And uh, he said, i got to tell you something, brother. Man, I said, what's happening, Randy? He says, after I came to and everything, he said, I don't do well on anything that knocks me out. You know? And he said, my nurse said, well, you're an American, aren't you? He goes, well, yeah, I'm an American. And uh, he's a military man. And uh, and she goes, but you love your country, don't you? And Brother Randy said, yeah, I love my country. Why do you say? She goes, because when you were coming out of your anesthetic, she said, everybody who came near you 
nurse, doctor, orderlies helping him. She said, you couldn't rear up and just move like he's going to. And he said, you point at me. Oh, I see. I need to get this picture. And he said, you point your finger and say, are you a commie? <laughs> are you a commie? <laughs> are you a commie? <laughs> yeah. Get where they around her. Get these commies out of my room. Huh? <laughs> against 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 and then we are standing against the wiles of the devil according to our passage these are clever listen ambush style And you're not always going to have time to react or see it coming. So you have to always be armored. Always be armored. You ready for the summary? We have what we need. Put it on and get at it. We have what we need. Put it on. Get at it for the Lord. Let me pray with you tonight. Father, thank you for the whole armor of God. And Lord, uh, I ask for your help. I know it's my responsibility, but I ask for your help that I'd have sense enough not to try to walk in my own pride thinking I have strength enough to stand against the enemy. And God, may I daily, purposely, consciously think about this armor and walk in the uh, uh, surety of it. Bless your people tonight. Father, may they have a heart for putting on armor of God. Oh Lord, a lot of diverted minds in our congregation. Putting in a lot of stuff that's diverting them. God, I pray you help. That helmet of salvation, Lord. That breastplate of righteousness. Shield of faith, Lord. The truth. The gospel. Every bit of it. Lord, help us to please seek you. Lord, may there be more than one tonight. May there be several that just say, God, help me remember this. Help me do it. Live it. Amen. Let's stand together. Sister Webb plays the invitation. Just come down and say, Lord, I'm going to put on some armor. How about you tonight? I want it. Do you want it?